Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Baltazar. And it, it's I'm really glad to be back, you know, even though Maple replaced me for a week, and she did a very, very good job, the Aggieville Alley Cats live mascot. <laughs> she had a lot to say, but it was time for you to return, I think. Yeah. And I will say that it was very funny listening to you do the intro. It was very funny. I listened to it like four or five times to make sure that I got it right. The biggest issue was the outro. The outro, I was very worried that I was just going like, to forget how to do it halfway through. And I almost did. I nearly did. But I figured it out. Yeah. But you're not here to talk about, well, we're not here to talk about the podcasting ins and outs. We're here to talk about K-State News. And let me tell you. This may as well just be another recruiting special because this is a, just as a good friend would say, a gargantuan week in K-State recruiting. And it's going to be, we're going to start off with Catskipball and then talk about the four, yes, count them, four football commits. And then, of course, the wacky segment of the week. But let's go ahead and dive straight into it with the Catskipball recruiting. The Doomtang clan has another new member, and that is the Hostrich big transfer, Abayomi Aiola. Uh, Io- oh, no. Aiola. Aiola. Abayomi Aiola. He committed, and what do you have on him, Connor? Um, He has been a bit of a journeyman. He's been at three different schools. I uh, started his career at Stetson and was pretty solid there. Then he transferred to Arkansas, and he registered one minute of game time and towards ACL and that's tough. That it's a shame. It could have happened to anybody. And then he uh, transferred to Hofstra and got, I don't want to say revenge because it implies wrongdoing on Arkansas's part, but he did go to Arkansas and drop 18 points and 14 rebounds. And he averaged, I think seven points and seven rebounds across the season. And generally it was pretty solid as a big man. He's like 6'10", 220, 230-ish. Um, I, I really like him. I think that he's a big missing piece, uh, pun intended, that this team really needed. Uh, just another experienced center that could be brought in to rotate with Jarrell Colbert. Uh, I'd imagine that uh, Abayomi is probably going to start over Colbert just due to experience, but we're going to see a lot of Colbert regardless. And then this gets us to, I think, 10 now. I, I think, think it might or... be 11. I think might, uh, yeah, it might be 11. Not Salas. Uh, Sills. Sills. Sills got us to 10. I think you're right. I, I think that I think you might be right. We're at, I think we're at 11 now. And, and Tang said I mean, it's great with 12. Yeah, I mean, you, you can do it with 12. I mean, there were several seasons that Bruce left a scholarship open for the following season, which is a questionable strategy at times. But, I mean, when you're building a program and you don't want to, like, reach on kids that you don't absolutely need, it makes sense to leave a scholarship open rather than just, like, add a guy that you maybe don't think fits in the long term. Yeah. But, yeah, um, I, I think it's all around a great addition. He has proven production at multiple institutions. And uh, he's proven that he can perform against Power Five competition, and he fills a need. Yeah. All around, pretty great addition by the coaching staff, I think. Yeah, I agree. And the only thing that I will say is that there is only one role that I'm really looking to be filled for on the the Doomtang Clan, and that is just another shooter. 
we, mm-hmm. which, you know, I have confidence that he'll find one. And if he doesn't, I feel like this will be a roster that's okay without it. It won't be exceptional, but it's his first year here. I feel like expectations should be tempered accordingly. Yeah. I, I think after the introductory press conference and the excitement of getting a high caliber assistant, I think everybody got a little out of hand with expectations for this year. And, you know, we may still like have a great season, but I think that we should temper the expectations for now. And cause I think right now, as this roster sits, we're a fringe bubble team an IT team. I think that this year's cats team is probably going to have a similar success or similar season to Oklahoma um, did this past year by the end where they go the NIT and make a solid run. Hopefully this squad can go a little deeper, especially because I think that they are younger and have a higher ceiling, Yeah, but it's going to take a lot for the squad to come together this year. But I think uh, we're, I think most people at this point are looking forward uh, rather than current in terms of recruiting and high school guys could be brought in because there are some uh, pretty big time targets, uh, day, day aims. He's a very highly regarded point guard prospect, uh, high four star guy that just visited K state. And I don't think has visited anywhere else. So he's definitely a name to keep an eye on going forward. Yeah, absolutely. But now we can move on to what's going to be the real meat and potatoes of this show, which is football recruiting. And this week's football recruiting segment is brought to you by the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store. If you want such designs as Play Sandstorm Cowards, Doomtain Clan, or Neon Alley Cats, please be sure to check out our official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store, which is linked in our Twitter bio, or it's Aggieville Alley Cats on Teespring. So with that out of the way, we can start talking about the four Kansas State football commits that all came in from the dates of the 19th of June to the 23rd of June, which you think that means one per day. No, they skipped the 20th and there were two on the the 21st. But we'll go ahead and start in order of how they committed. And the first one was frankly the biggest surprise to me because it is a name that we had heard before and past history would indicate that this is not a recruiting battle that we necessarily, we would have been involved, but it's not one that we necessarily would have won. And that is the six foot four wide receiver from blue Valley, Andre Davis. Now, whenever you hear six foot four wide receiver, you think of Malik Knowles, especially when it comes to K state, because he is also six four. Um, Andre Davis is more built right now than Malik Knowles is. He's 6'4", 200. And you can, you can tell. You can tell. Yeah. Uh, Andre Davis is somebody that I wasn't really relying on us getting uh, this recruiting cycle. He was somebody that I really hoped that we would get, but I was more hopeful about guys like Josh Manning uh, than Andre Davis. But then that commitment came out of absolutely nowhere. I mean, a lot of the commitments, there was some sort of buildup to them uh, this week. Um, even the out-of-state guys, or like there was some sort of hype around them. Like we kind of knew like something was coming. Andre yeah. Davis like was just a complete out of left field uh, commitment in every sense of the word, not just in timing, but also in quality because he's 
he already is uh, one of the best receiver commits that K-State's had in a very long time. He's up there with, on paper, I should say, guys like uh, Chabaston Taylor, Byron Pringle, uh, Aubrey Quarles, if you remember that far back. That was all the way back in 2008, I think. But K-State doesn't have a history of bringing in highly rated receivers, but 24-7 has him as the seventh-rated prospect in the state of Kansas, 83rd wide receiver nationally, 629th player nationally overall, and a 0.8726 composite ranking. So that's a, that puts him at a high three-star. And he was, for a few days, the highest-rated player in the class. And he also had a pretty impressive offer sheet. Uh, he had offers from Iowa, Iowa State, KU, Minnesota, Nebraska. Those were his big Power Five offers. Also had a Tulane offer, but well, the two, uh, I'm I'm surprised we beat Tulane, honestly. Yeah, same. So we we did lose a corner to yeah. We did lose a a corner to Tulane like five years ago. I think in a recruiting <laughs> battle. I don't want to talk about it, but. <laughs> Yeah, Andre, he also recently visited Iowa State and Iowa and visited K-State sandwiched in between those two schools. Um, but his game, um, you kind of have to really like his game. He, I think he is better at using uh, his size um, than maybe some of the receivers that we have on the roster right now that are bigger. Like Malik Knowles isn't like great at using his size. He's more of a burner threat and a guy that like, you hope get open, gets open and then can do things with the ball in his hands, but he's not like someone that's going to box guys out on yeah. a curl route necessarily. You're just hoping that he's able to get open. Andre Davis uses the, the full length of his arms uh, and has a great catch radius. Now uh, he has a lot of really good receiver skills. Now he does occasionally show burst off the line, but that is like hit and miss. Like some plays he looks incredibly fast off the line. Other times it takes him a little bit to get going. And he's a he's a solid route runner, but the main upside right now is his size, and he has more developed receiver skills than I expected. But I, I really like Andre Davis uh, as a prospect, one of the best receiver prospects that K State's brought in in a very long time. And there's a lot to be excited about with him. Yeah, I agree. my My evaluation of Andre Davis is that he's kind of like the exact opposite skill set of Malik where Malik is a big receiver who is more of a threat. Like you said, with a threat with the ball in his hands. In fact, that's why we use them on sweep so often just because of how effective he is there. Andre Davis is a big receiver who plays like he is a big receiver. He is a contested catch guy. And that's something that frankly, this offense has lacked for a little while now. I mean, Seabass, I guess, but even Shabaston Taylor was just kind of all right at it, you know, and granted we won't have Seabass anymore. He decided to move on, but you know, it's still really big and it wouldn't have mattered this year anyway, because Andre Davis is a 23 recruit. So I don't even know why I bothered saying, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, Andre Davis is a legitimately good contested catch receiver. I do have some questions regarding his long speed But even then, I think that that's something that he could just look slow because he's so big. It's kind of like Will Howard syndrome to where Will Howard is such like a mass of humanity, like relative to his size to where he just looks slow, but he's actually not that slow. I don't know why people are saying Will Howard is slow, but that's that's another rant for him. Yeah, he's not a burner, but... He just strides well, which we're running into this issue a lot right now with tall receivers when we watch them where they stride really well and it makes them look slow, but you look how much ground they cover and they're actually really fast. 
yeah, we're all just used to watching Tyreek Hill and just like the man's legs. Like he takes two strides every half second. Yeah. Yeah, that was the first commit, 6'4 wide receiver from Blue Valley. But then the next commit was Cameron Salas, the six foot two defensive back from Kendalldale, Kendalldale, Oh my goodness, Texas. And he's someone that has flown under everyone's radar. In fact, if you go to message boards, uh, don't, just don't do that to yourself. <laughs> don't. <laughs> just, just don't. Um, we do it to ourselves only to get information, no other reason, but. <laughs> actually i say that makes it sound like grifters we're okay we kind of are but (laughs) neither here nor there cameron salas he is currently unrated when it comes to 24 7 but that's not something that's unfamiliar to most k-state fans and diving into his film he's a six foot two 195 pound defensive back who played texas football so go ahead and get your comments in. It's like, he played Texas football. He must be good. Not necessarily, but I understand what point you're trying to make. And the long and short of Cameron Salas is that he's a legitimate ball hawk who was playing corner in – he was playing a lot of corner in high school. I think he slots better in at free safety. Yeah, I, I think the safety comparison is pretty obvious when you watch this film because, like, you watch corner – film for him and it looks all right but it really doesn't fit him particularly well in his skill set and he has a few safety highlights and a few run support highlights and everything kind of clicks when you see those because uh, he does have good coverage skills and he has good run support skills he's rangy but not like twitchy necessarily he's unrated right now but i'd imagine he'll probably turn out to be a uh, middle three yeah middle three star like somewhere around like a 0.85 on 24-7, a 5.6-ish on Rivals. Um, but yeah, I, I like Salas. I like his film. I watched it twice because the first time I wasn't sure. The uh, second time I started to really like it a lot more. Uh, I liked what I saw. Um, he does have a pretty slim offer sheet right now. Um, and I imagine he'll probably stay that way since he's committed. He did have one other Power 5 offer in Arizona State. And he did have some interest from Mississippi State and Nebraska, according to 24-7. But he was someone that flew under the radar, it seems like, for most schools uh, at the Power 5 level. But Bam alone was able to identify him. He's listed as the lead recruiter on 24-7 here. And he was able to lock him down before anybody else was able to get to him. And I, I, I like when we do that, when we're not relying on just like an offer list or something to like decide if a prospect's worth taking we just trust our evaluations and we're we're going to take them early and try and lock them down quickly so other people don't get a shot and you know we just trust our evals on them because i i like salas i think that he's someone that can eventually be a starter at uh strong or free safety probably free and firm it free i would as well i i think he has that ranginess um that really lends itself to the position um, and I'd like to, I'd like to see some zone coverage highlights for him because most of his coverage was man, yeah. which I get, I get from a, a high school that you're going to want to put your best cover corner, uh, um, at corner or your best coverage guy at corner, yeah. um, rather than safety. He, I will say he is very grabby. He is very grabby. <laughs> yeah. Which there's, there's yeah. a difference yeah. between playing physical and holding. 
Yeah, which I mean, you can tell that he's probably an actual safety in that regard yeah. where he is staying on people and man coverage. But like you said, he's being overly aggressive to the point of uh, pass interference pretty often. But he, he's he got the right idea. He's like got that. the spirit. Yeah, he's got spirit. But yeah, free safety, I think, is definitely a, a more natural spot for him. Uh, so his film doesn't really reflect that. But I don't know, I'm interested to see where he gets rated, but I think it'll probably be a middle three star, kind of like an unassuming, uh, non-risky ranking, I think will probably be good for him. Yeah, it turns out he gets ranked like the number one safety in existence. You know, I, I'd allow it. I'd I would very simply allow it as well. Yeah, I think that'd be fine, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not to be left out on the defensive commit train who committed on the exact same day. That is a linebacker slash safety from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Yes, we are poaching from Alabama. Now Colin Dunn, who's a six foot two, like I said, linebacker slash safety. And this is another perfect example of this recruiting staff picking up a hybrid player someone who is not necessarily a full linebacker, not necessarily a full safety, but someone who can slot in and just kind of play that tweener role, whether it be the Sam linebacker or the Jack defender. Now I right now am impartial to seeing him play Jack almost exclusively because Gavin Forsha probably has Sam locked up pretty nicely. And Colin Dunn until he puts Unless he gets up to like 225, I'd really prefer him playing that Jack hybrid spot because he has, to get into his ability, he has a really high motor. He has this ridiculously high motor. He has pretty solid coverage instincts. He's pretty good in run defense. But all of this comes from that sort of tweener position even at high school. So that's kind of where I see him slotting in at the next level. There have been... Talks about him playing a little bit of Will. Sam has been a really popular spot. I think people just kind of forget that the Jack Cash money uh, hybrid safety linebacker position exists because really it's not a position that any it's it's nothing that the Jedi would tell you. It <laughs> it's 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 not a position that a lot of people know about because it's kind of a safety, kind of a linebacker, and it's kind of thrust into the corner where, you know, no one really wants to talk about it. I'm rambling. You can go ahead and give your thoughts on Colin Dunn. Um, I mean, I'm a big Colin Dunn fan. Like you said, I think the most impressive thing about him is probably his motor. Um, I, I'm i a big fan of uh, of his coverage ability. Uh, like you said, I, I like him at Jack. Uh, I mentioned on the live show and I uh, got a little pushback on that. Uh, the live show for Bosco's boys uh, that I think the staff right now sees him as a Sam, like you said, but I think you and I are in agreement that he, at least in our eyes is better as a Jack. I I'll, I guess I'll trust the staff before my own evals. Cause they get paid yeah, I to do too. that. I, I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. But you know, I do, I see the potential at Jack um, unless they think that you can really tack on. Uh, a lot of muscle mass to his frame, which to be fair with coach true, anything is possible in the weight room. Yeah. If he comes back next year at like two thirty-five, yeah, you can play him at Sam. Mm-mm. I don't want him at Jack at two thirty-five. 
Yeah, but he had, he also held uh, Power Five offers from Maryland, Pitt, and West Virginia. I recall hearing that he had some other visits planned and ended up uh, canceling them uh, to come visit K State instead. And which that's kind of become a common theme recently with the staff that they're they're seemingly selling guys on uh, committing sooner and uh, canceling visits elsewhere, which has been really interesting. And this uh, commitment did come on the heels of Cade McIntyre committing to Oklahoma. And I, I think that that uh, spurned the urgency between uh, Dunn and uh, Kansas State, which that, that definitely does speak to the staff's intentions with him, I think, of having him at Sandbacker um, with uh, the commitment of Cade McIntyre to Oklahoma seemingly kind of pushing them to get done. So, but I, I still think that Dunn would be a really good Jack. I, I see him, his game's very, he's like a, a larger drama McPherson in a lot of ways. And you know what? He does bring that explosiveness off the edge, which like is, is useful, but I don't know. He, he's probably someone that's going to maybe play a bit of both. You know, we might see him off the edge a little bit, but I mean, we, we saw Jerome McPherson at Jack uh, rush off the edge this year and get a few quarterback sacks. So uh, he fits a few different roles on the, the roster that, is what took us like 10 minutes to say but yeah. <laughs> yeah i i don't know i think i think the discussion of what makes a good jack defender is it's very hard to do without pointing to different examples because to me the quintessential jack defender was jalen petrie i think technically baylor calls there's a, like a cash backer or something like that like he to me, Jalen Petrie is that quintessential Jack. Yeah. I don't think you get much pushback on that. Like yeah. Petrie was pretty excellent this past year for Baylor. Yeah. And But literally anything else other than Jalen Petrie, your guess is as good as mine for what like, slots in there well. That's why every if you go back to the depth chart episode, which is personally one of my favorite episodes, uh, go yeah. listen to it. It's yeah, that, was all, that was so much fun. A lot of people already have listened to it, but um, mm-hmm. wow, that makes me sound. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that that was the one position that we kind of the safeties in general was a struggle. But we looked at each other's like, wait, who on this roster can play Jack? <laughs> wait, <laughs> it's not Sean Robinson. He's playing no. Sam. Uh, anyway, there. We'll see where he plays. Yeah. If if he puts on weight, he's definitely a Sam. If he kind of maxes out at like 200, he could probably play Jack. Who's to say he can't play both? Yeah, I uh, he might be the ultimate tweener and in that instead of like not being particularly good at anything, he's good at two things. And, yeah. you know, I would allow it. It allow us to be a lot more creative with uh, rush packages and different just defensive formations that we can have. But um, I don't know. We'll see. It's a long way from being a pressing issue. I mean, he's probably someone that we don't see on the field for two years. I'd imagine at least. Yeah. I think him and Silas are kind of in that same boat where it'll be a year or two before we see them. Yeah. But uh, I I think that these are both guys that could burst onto the scene uh, effectively, especially considering how many defensive backs our defense requires. I mean, we, we need like we are hoarding safeties. We are, we need like four safeties per class at this rate to keep up production. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, it's, we, we need so many of them, but yeah, I, 
both both Dunn and Salas are really high quality additions, I think. And they're going to end up, I think, being really low key additions in this class. I don't think many people are going to think back on these as like their top like commit, but they're they're going to be sleepers that I think people are going to be happy that we got down the road. So Colby McAllister. Yeah. Yeah. Like him, or Garrett Oakley <laughs> or Garrett Oakley. Except Garrett Oakley, if he puts on weight, they'll be happy in like a year and a half. Yeah. So. <laughs> but then the moments we've all been waiting for. Well, one of the moments we've all been waiting for a recruitment that has, let's say, been tumultuous from genuine confidence towards the beginning of this show to deep, deep despair. Uh, one abject of us, misery. Abject misery. Uh, a lot of anger. A lot of angst. Pain. Pain. Agony even. Some might say. Some might say. But the light at the end of the tunnel, the new running back commit for your Kansas State Wildcats is Dylan Edwards, the 5'9", 165 running back from Derby, Kansas. And if you've been following his recruitment, you probably felt all of the exact same emotions that we felt (laughs) from the Oklahoma offer to him to him visiting nebraska and seemingly really liking it yeah yeah to the multiple ou visits like in the spring and uh just the the abject pain it felt at because we dylan is one of two guys that we've really been talking about since the beginning of the show it feels like and they um, mentioned it a bit later mm-hmm. but yeah dylan it's been so up and down left and right forward and backward with his recruitment, it feels so great to have one of these long recruitments for a coveted in-state guy finally end in the favor of K-State. Cause it feels like this, this is kind of a turning point for the staff. I think a lot, of, a lot of people have made this, this comment, I think already, but it is, it's worth reiterating that this is a recruitment that anytime in the last 20 years, K-State doesn't win. No. I, uh, I, I can't think of a time in most of K-State's history where they win this recruitment again, going toe-to-toe with schools like Oklahoma and Nebraska. But K-State finds a way, the staff finds a way, which round of applause, metaphorical to the staff. Uh, Taylor Brack, Chris Kleiman, Brian Anderson, they all deserve, and, and, and everybody else that played a role. Uh, he did mention Colin Klein. They all deserve everybody's uh, respect, I think, for how they handled this recruitment down the stretch. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, Dylan Edwards, like, four-star guy. I mean, like, he's highly coveted. Uh, just got his four-star from 24-7, uh, 0.8903 in the composite. A 90 rating uh, from the in-house makes him the second-best player in the state of Kansas, the 12th running back in the country, according to 24-7. He had a plethora of other offers if you don't mind me reading all of them now just to provide context go ahead i'll take a drink i'll take a drink while you're doing this all right nebraska oklahoma arizona arizona state arkansas state bethune cookman buffalo grambling state houston illinois indiana 
Iowa State, Jackson State, KU, Kentucky, UMass, Memphis, Michigan State, Minnesota, Mississippi State, Missouri, Nevada, New Mexico State, North Texas, Oregon, Purdue, South Alabama, Tennessee Tech, Washington, West Virginia, Western Kentucky, and Wisconsin. I stopped counting after a bit, but that's around 25, I think, total, and about 17 or 18 power five. And this is about the best example that anybody could point to and truly make the argument that the staff has turned a corner in terms of recruiting. I I think that that is one of the biggest victories of this recruitment beyond just the athlete that you're getting, because you're getting one of the best athletes in the country with Dylan Edwards. You're getting a massive symbolic victory for the staff because they're finally proving to the state and to high level prospects elsewhere that K state is a great place to play football because look at these great, look at this great athlete that is choosing to spurn all these other traditionally highly regarded schools and go to Kansas state, which while having been a highly respected school for a long time has really never been a recruiting powerhouse at any point in its history, really other than maybe the mid to late nineties when K state ran Juco recruiting, but then everybody else caught on. And it, it changed, but th- that's enough about the symbolism. I think of the Dylan Edwards uh, rec- uh, recruitment and commitment. Uh, we can now talk about how much fun it is to watch his highlights because he is just an absolutely phenomenal athlete. He's electric in every sense of the word, and it's just a treat to to watch him run around and be better than everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have anything you want to say about him? Ace? You want a comp? He's that one NCAA 14 running back that just runs all over you and somehow makes one cut that destroys five players and then manages to break a tackle and he's gone. (laughs) That's if you're able to catch him. People will, because he's a shorter running back, you know, he's the same height as me, which apparently means that he's a short running back. I'm not better. (laughs) <laughs> You're a totally adequate height base. Five nine is average in the United States, and only people who are five nine know that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we have a lot of tangents today. I think it yeah. just comes with the excitement. But I, I think you're right. There, people will throw around the comparison of Darren Sproles. He's he doesn't have the contact balance, but he's definitely a bit more elusive. People will throw around the comp of Deuce Vaughn. Dylan is much faster. And I would say that his explosiveness out of his cuts is only slightly less, but that's because Deuce is an alien. (laughs) Yeah. It's a difference between great and elite. Yeah. Which is, you're not going to care that much, truly. Like, it's just elites like, hey, you'll take it. But great is like something you're looking for. Yeah. And he's just, there is a distinct reason why we've been so excited for Dylan Edwards. And it's not just because, you know, he's an in-state kid. It's not because it's not just because he's a legacy recruit, because if those two things were all it took for us to be excited, there'd be a number of other recruits that we'd be very excited about. We're excited about Dylan Edwards because he is a legit, legit home run hitter i could say him getting legit time as a true freshman and i know this may sound like blasphemy right now but i could see a very realistic universe 
where he has the exact same ascension that Deuce Vaughn had in his true freshman season. But I honestly think that Dylan Edwards is upsides a lot, not a lot, but it's definitely bigger just by virtue of Dylan Edwards being the tiniest bit bigger. And also with just how fast he is. Yeah. It's, it's really is just an insane recruiting victory, not because of just who the player is off the field, but because of the skills that he brings on it. Yeah. I think that the speed that he possesses, I think everybody understands that he has it, but I don't think people quite fathom how fast he is. I ha- I didn't truly get it until more recently when I went back and watched his film again. And I mean, you truly see him like, if there's a hole, he's gone. It doesn't matter if there's someone in the second level with a decent angle, which I'll say this, something that's very underrated about his game is, and I will make this comp to Deuce. I, I don't want to, comp- I want him to be his own player. I don't want to comp him to Deuce too much, but something he does that's similar to Deuce is he's great at making bad angles for tacklers. That is something that really surprised me about his game. That and his lateral agility is better than he's given credit for. It's not elite like Deuce, like you said, but it's better than I think people think. But his speed, like his straight line speed is just, uh, it, it's it's elite. It's com- is There's no other word for it. There's no other word for it. It is legitimately elite. And and I I hate to interrupt you, but I, holy moly, I am so excited because when is the last time that we had someone at running back who was a legit, Alex Barnes ran a legit 4-4-4. Source, I saw it happen in front of my eyes in high school. I saw it happen. But when is the last time that we had a legit athlete who I think could run in like the four threes at running back? Um, has it happened for case? I think it has, but gosh, I can't think of when is the thing I'm thinking back to starting tailbacks, not any insider 2.0 that I can think of. Gosh, I had to go back to very early, like, like maybe the, like the late nineties, a guy like, David Allen. I don't remember if he was a running back or a receiver, but I mean, the fact that I'm going back this far, I think is telling. Um, maybe, mm, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I, Dylan Edwards is going to have the most elite speed since I suppose probably Deuce Bond's the best comp there, but like that, that's by default. Dylan Edwards, for reference, uh, I forget the source name. I apologize, but he had the third fastest on field sprint speed of anybody in the entire country last year the third fastest in the country. He ran 22 miles per hour on a football field in game in full pads. He's, it, it, I, I don't know how else to spell out how much of a game breaker he is. That doesn't even take into regard how effective he is out of the backfield as a pass catcher, which is another thing that gets really slept on is his, his ball skills are phenomenal for a, a for a, a, a running back like him, because normally someone that doesn't have as much lateral agility, I don't associate being a good pass catcher with them, but he is a very good pass catcher. He's an elite weapon for this offense. There's a reason that we recruit him this hard through thick and thin and all the trials and tribulations, but it's uh, it's all come out to a great result for K-State. And Hopefully it only grows from here in terms of uh, recruiting success, but Dylan Edwards is a phenomenal victory and the brat, I know he won't take a night off, but he deserves one uh, for the work that was put in here because the job's not finished. 
Pick up like the Tang IPA from Goolsby's. I need to try that. Have you tried it yet? I have not. I want to soon. Maybe I will next Thursday. Okay. Not sure yet. Well, if you do, just let me know how it is. Because normally I'm not an IP. I'm not a, like a, not like a grain alcohol person. Enjoy yeah. a nice rum. Yeah, I, I don't like IPAs a ton. Uh, there's a few that I like, but uh, it's not really my my style generally. They're just a, they're just like a little too strong, a little, a little heavy. But now yeah, I'm gonna give it a shot just because I mean it's a local. You tried it. Local, and you liked it. And he's not. Uh, he's a, a wine guy. guy. He's a wine guy. He's not a beer guy. So I, I will, I will take his word for it. Give it a shot. Support a local business. Yeah. Uh, former business of a K State player. Mm-hmm. Is it Goolsby's or Manhattan Brewing Company that has it, or is it both? You know, they I might don't... both. I think you know what I think. What it is is I think Goolsby's made it with Manhattan Brewing Company, and they both have it. Okay. Well, either way, either, I'm, either way, I'll I'll figure it out. And we'll, <laughs> I'm drinking it. We've gone way off topic, but yeah, <laughs> go but figure. Yeah, I Dylan Edwards just as an offensive weapon is 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 something that I think Colin Klein just as the offensive coordinator. I think that he saw that Dylan Edwards committed, and he just like did like a little happy dance because he yeah. he just said awesome i get one of the yeah. most versatile chess pieces in yeah. all the country did you hear the uh story that dylan told today about when he about who he told first about his commitment no i didn't who was that? it was colin klein really he told him on his visit and he it was a really funny story actually it was um they had like, been going through some meetings and he was just walking around it was just him and colin klein walking around the stadium talking about k-state and stuff like that visit thing yeah. and and then um, uh, Colin Klein, he, Dylan says that Colin Klein asked, uh, what, like, like, what do we need to do to get you here to K-State? And Dylan said nothing. And Colin was like, what? And, <laughs> what? Like, what? Why? <laughs> what with and, a period? <laughs> yeah, Dylan's like, there, there's nothing that you can do like to get me to come here there's nothing that you need to do to get me to come here because when we go back in the talk to coach Kleiman in our meeting i'm going to commit to him right there and colin klein said really <laughs> really oh yeah word. like <laughs> word for real but, <laughs> on god just like that <laughs> but it was a really funny story told at the press conference and i can't i can't imagine what a relief that is for for colin klein to like have one down and have still quite a few more to go. Um, but that, that is a, a weight off the shoulders temporarily. And then also another weapon in your corner for uh, additional recruitments. I mean, that does multiple things, getting Dylan to commit first. Man, I, especially knowing, we're not going to share it here because this is a KSO information. Go subscribe to KSO. But there are, seriously, it's worth it. Uh, there there are some other targets that we're in on that Lord have mercy. (laughs) There, there are some other targets that we are in on that are, that's all I'll say. And I'll also subscribe to KSO. Yeah. Great, great, great source of information, especially for those that constantly need like their fix 
of K-State information. Like, like I, I'm, I'm just sitting there refreshing like half of my work day and just like, please, something, just something, please. Please There's give a, me a, a small crumb. nugget of information. Crumb, please. I beg I'm of you. Begging. But yeah, I, the, the next question on the outline, I feel like it's a, We'll, we'll we'll edit the question because if we didn't, it'd be the same answer. Who not Dylan Edwards is your favorite recruit from this this group of four that committed? Gosh, that that is a really tough question. I, it is good that you removed Dylan from that equation because it was that makes obvious. it too easy. Yeah, because uh, there's a lot to like about all of these guys. I'm gonna go ahead and say Andre Davis though for a few reasons, one of which being another big in-state win. And I, I am sentimental. I do like getting these like in-state guys, uh, even if there is like equal out-of-state guys like elsewhere. I, it still feels good to lock down that in-state talent. Uh, he's one of the best receiver prospects that we've gotten in a long time. And also he was a bit of a surprise. You know, he wasn't really someone that I think many fans had on their radar. And then one day he just kind of, committed and I, I just checked my phone and i saw andre davis is committed oh okay, okay. That, that was a it's like a reward but it's like it is. a reward <laughs> but yeah I, I i'd say andre davis yeah i'm actually gonna go colin dunn and the main reason i say that is just the positional versatility that he brings and whether no matter where he plays i feel like he'll bring a skill set that's pretty quintessential to the three, three, five that we're going to be running, especially with just the motor that he brings, he can rush the passer. He can play coverage. So no matter where he lines up, he'll be a pretty good piece. Plus he'll get time to develop behind the, the other linebackers. Yeah, I think that's a totally fair pick. Uh, Colin Dunn was probably my number two. Um, lots of like there about Colin Dunn. Oh, of course, Bill Edwards is like the cream of the crop. Uh, this week, uh, yeah. Colin Dunn. The side note that gets some bonus points is that his hair and his twenty four seven profile picture is like pretty excellent. Mm-hmm. So I got some a few bonus points. <laughs> all right, so that's all of the commits. But we have other news from receivers who aren't for receivers from players who aren't committed. The first one is Jacoby Lane, and normally we wouldn't cover someone just based off Twitter and visits, but uh. We'll mention Jacoby Lane again later, but he's a four-star wide receiver from Arizona, and he is he visited or is visit is did he already visit? I think he already did, didn't he? He did visit, yeah, yeah. He was here. I think he was here last night with uh, Thad Ward Wednesday night for those listening on Friday, because uh, I think he was in that video that Thad Ward had with the green lights and the bill, which I didn't know the lights could do that. I didn't. Um, so I think he was already here. I thought that that was a Dylan Edwards thing. Honestly, I did. I th- I think it was. I, I'm pretty sure that it was like a sign. Like, even though kind of everybody almost already knew at that point. But I, I think that's what it was supposed to be. But I do think that Jacoby Lane was there. I think which is supposed to, I think it might have been like get him excited about like the talent that we're bringing in. Maybe I'm not sure. Could be. But yeah, he's a wide receiver from Arizona, and he is not only interested in K-State, he's very interesting, but there that'll come later. <laughs> I 
But the next one, and this is something to mark on your calendars, which Connor and I made a joke earlier today in in our DMs. Like, okay, we're just going to be the calendar people. We're going to keep telling people to mark their calendars. Yeah, we're, we're just like constantly telling people to like put notifications in their calendars. Like, oh, commit's coming. Like there's some targets announcing like this day. Keep your eyes out. Like stuff like that. That's like half of our tweets at this point. Yeah, which is not that there's anything wrong no. with that. No, I enjoy it. But this is the date that you'll want to circle on your calendar for sure. And that is Avery Johnson, the quarterback out of Mays, is announcing his decision July 5th. I know we told everyone we told everyone that it was going to be before the Elite 11. That changed. <laughs> Things, the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. But yeah. Avery will be committing on July 5th. Keep an eye out for that. Yeah. I mean, Avery is very similar to Dylan. And that, I mean, the importance that he brings to the table uh, symbolically and then also on the field for K-State recruiting cannot be overstated right now. Uh the, the industry seems to feel pretty strongly about K-State. There's three predictions in uh, for Avery to K-State, but we're not there yet. Uh, I'm going to do something evil to you. I guess by virtue, by, by extension myself. If you, which one is, are you, would you be more excited for? Dylan Edwards or Avery Johnson? Probably Avery, I think, just because of positional importance. Dang, you answered too quick for that to be evil. I did that to myself. I really just did that to myself. Huh? <laughs> I, I've thought about this question before when I've I been haven't. bored. Like, like I've, I've definitely thought about who would I rather have, uh, Avery or Dylan, like hypothetical world where you can only have one. And I always end up at Avery simply because he's a quarterback and because quarterbacks are so difficult. It's so hard to find a great quarterback and he's, like the first great in-state quarterback that I can remember really ever coming out in the state of Kansas. And it's a perfect story, even more perfect than the legacy running back recruit, which is crazy, right? Like yeah. it's crazy that he would have a, a more intriguing story when you dig into it. Although Dylan's I think has a lot more intrigue on the surface. <laughs> and that's not like a, that's not like a dig at Dylan at all. Like not by any stretch of the imagination, but I mean, it's just Avery is such an incredible recruit at quarterback. He does like Dylan. He does incredible things with his legs and also his arm and his ability to improvise is unmatched from quarterbacks that I've ever seen film for at least, you know, at the high school level, I should say. I mean, he's not like Patrick Holmes, but no, that's not a fair comparison. So no one is. Yeah. But I, uh, it's, Avery's got to be my pick there. I'm trying to give you time to think here. <laughs> I, I thank you. I honestly think I'm gonna go with Dylan. I can't fault you for it. And the main reason I think that is, yes, the positional value for quarterback is more important, and yes, Avery Johnson is an extraordinarily exciting player. If you want proof of that, watch his highlights. But like. 
Dylan Edwards is so fast, though. He's so fast. You know, though. that's that's fair, and I I'm not gonna argue with it. I'm not gonna argue with you about that. Like, because I mean Dylan is electric and he's he's one of one and in that sense, which I, I say despite him being like similar to other K-State running backs, but I'm not here to compare him to previous greats. Like I can't fault anybody for choosing either of those guys. I feel pretty strongly about picking Avery, but I'm never going to like look at someone and say, no, you can't pick dude. Like you can't pick Dylan there. Like that, that's, that's crazy. Cause it's not crazy. Like they're both incredible, incredible athletes that would be game changers for K-State in their own special way. But I don't know for me, it's Avery, but I mean, I, I answered quickly, but like, I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this outside of like the previous like five minutes. So, yeah. So outside of Avery announcing July 5th, there are some others who will remain nameless that are on commit watch for this week and weekend. So just keep an eye out for the cat signals. And unless you have anything else to add, that pretty well wraps up the recruiting segment. Um. Unfortunately, I don't have anything else to add. I, I don't want this segment to ever end because recruitment around this time of year, the last couple of years has been just so exciting. And it's been some of my favorite stuff to cover other than like in-season football. And I love that recruiting is starting to like ramp up more in the summer because I feel like it really helps bridge the gap between uh, like college sports ending in uh, late spring and like the dog days of summer. So, yo, shout out to us doing a, it was like two weeks in a row where we did our <laughs> reevaluated the preseason top 25 and then did most interesting game. I want to do reaction to the preseason top 25 again, just maybe not as its own episode, but maybe as bonus content. I don't know. That'd be fun. Yeah. But that pretty much wraps up the recruiting segment. Now, welcome to the dual wacky segments of the week. The first one is a legit piece of news, and the second one is our typical question. But uh, remember Jacoby Lane, the guy I mentioned like 10, 15 minutes ago? Yeah, he's interesting. He's remarkably interesting because not only is he a four-star wide receiver who's not from the area, and no, he's not from Goodyear, Arizona, because that would mean, you know, the tie to Adrian Lara would make it understandable. No, he's just from Mesa, Arizona. Uh, he's really interested in K-State. And he decides that he's going to go on to a recruit, uh, Tay Brown specifically. He got an offer from K-State. And then just decided, hey, you want to be teammates here? It's like, I, what? Like, I know that that's not a particularly uncommon thing to do. I mean, even today, Avery Johnson was at Dylan Edwards's commitment. That's not like a crazy thing to do. But like, yeah. there's something about the way that it was carried out. And also the fact that he's getting like 10 to 20 times the amount of likes on his K-State posts is like when he got a visit to Georgia. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm shocked at the meteoric rise of Jacoby Lane and like the K-State recruiting world because he went from someone that I, I wouldn't call an afterthought because it's simply nobody knew about him and or at least considered well, him we like, had a shot. Yeah, I don't think anybody I considered that we like like did have a legit shot and he comes and visits and the next day he's like 
tweeting at guys or getting K-State offers and asking to team up as if like he's committed, and, he's like, which hey, he's well, not. He's, he's not, not committed. committed. He's not committed. Yeah, Let, like, let's he's get not. This out of the way. He's not. I wish that he was because <laughs> his film is so entertaining. I mean, ACU, I had you watch some of it. <laughs> I mean, he's six foot five and is hurtling people. Like, it shouldn't he, happen. It, it's literal war crimes being committed <laughs> down in Mesa, Arizona by Jacob P. Lane. Like, the things that he's doing, six foot five, 180 pound people should not be able to do. And I, I mean, he's so he's such a great receiver. Um, he's got a great offer list as well. Both the Arizonas, um, Colorado. I remember being uh, on his list. Auburn is offered. Iowa State. Uh, he's visiting Georgia, Utah. I mean, great, great, great offer sheet. And he's a fringe four star in the composite four star in the twenty four seven in house. He'd be another incredible get. All of a sudden, I had my hopes up for this guy that I was barely aware of at the beginning of the week. And <laughs> just, I, are, are we saying he's going to commit here? No. In fact, honestly, I have sincere doubts that he's going to commit here. But can you imagine how funny that would be? <laughs> that would be really funny if we, we go from at least publicly not really being involved in this recruitment at all to all of a sudden he's doing he's tweeting a ton about K-State, getting a ton of love from K-State fans. And that just was like, all right, I'll him and Tay Brown commit on the same day. <laughs> I'd allow it, which I need to watch Tay Brown film too. Now I'm realizing <laughs> the, that is the only bad thing about all this like momentum we have right now in the recruiting world is that all of these guys are getting offered and all of these like prospects are surfacing, and I have to like get up to date with all of them, <laughs> and it's very challenging to keep yeah. all of them straight because there's just so many. Yeah. Yeah, that's all. That's it for the news. We just thought it was really funny that this guy who visited yeah. yesterday is like, hey, you want to be teammates? Yeah. Yeah, he hasn't done anything else. Like, we, did, we just thought the tweet was really funny. That's, that's that wacky segment. Yeah. And now the traditional wacky segment, which is, a sig- which is just, you know, our signature question. And that is, if you could pick one K-State media personality to swap bodies with for a day, who would it be? And for media personality, that includes people in news media, radio, articles, podcasting, basically anyone that is involved with K-State media. Who are you swapping bodies with? Uh, Do you have an answer? Oh, yeah, I have an answer. Then you go first because I need to think. Derek Young. That's literally, that's it. That's my answer. I'm swapping with DY just because of the amount of information that he's able to accrue. I feel I obviously, as soon as the body swap wore off, like freaky Friday, you know, I would come back to my body. I would just have to like carry that knowledge with me. I would obviously share it with you, but I'd be on the show, like sweating. Like someone asks us a question, like ask the alley cats is like, Hey, do you know if this guy is like leaning towards committing here? I just start like sweating profusely. Like, yes, like, I, I do don't know. I don't I can't know. tell you. Though. I don't know. I'm sorry. I can't tell you. That's classified. But um, yeah, I, I would almost certainly pick DY just because of the amount of information that I could get. And like, just for the exact same reason that you said earlier, it's just I y'all got any more of them recruiting tidbits. <laughs> Y'all got any more of them recruiting nuggets? <laughs> I 
I'm partial. I can't think of the names of anybody right now, but I think it'd be really fun to be um, a video person, like one of the creative video people for the football team. Because, oh, no, that's graphics. Um, gosh, I cannot think of their names right now. Lucas Cook. <laughs> I, I suppose actually that that would like <laughs> get me. That would like accomplish the goal. But I I'm mainly thinking about it from the perspective of you would get pretty much unfettered access to practice and to like like the players and everything and getting footage of them and you wouldn't actually have to like ask questions you could just kind of be a, like a wallflower and just like take in information as like people talk because like you're a video person so you like kind of blend in yeah because you're like like wearing team gear and all that like that would be fun so like maybe that's not like a perfect answer because they're not necessarily like media personalities but they are case media and that's two of the three words that were required <laughs> so i'm i'm gonna roll with that's that passing. and all right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's like just that's a 66%. So I, I don't know why I thought you were going to say Mitch Fortner. I don't know why that would be fun. I thought about Mitch. I thought about um, Stan Weber was someone I thought about. I thought about the Kurtz. football. The fe- Kurtz was the first one that came to mind. Uh, the football SID whose name I do not recall uh, just because I'd like get access to, like all of like the like relevant K-State information and I would just like go and like scan all of it and just like memorize everything. So I know every K-State stat ever, but I have them all. Yeah. I would know everything, but yeah, there, there was a few that went through my head. Kurtz was the first that came to mind and I did think of DUI as well, but then you said it and I was like, well, I can't say that. That'd be boring, but yeah. Well, do you have anything else to add? I wish I did. I don't want this episode to end. <laughs> well, if we're lucky, maybe next week's episode will be just as exciting. Oh, please. I'm begging. <laughs> <laughs> but that pretty much wraps up this episode of the Aggie Boom Alley Cats. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to follow the show or contact the show, please be sure to follow us at Aggie Bill A Cats on Twitter. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C and Cats. If you want to email us, we are Aggie Bill Alley Cats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at AC Edward 00. I am at Connor Rothstore, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to visit the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store, where you can find such designs as Play Sandstorm Cowards, Doom Tank Clan, and Neon Alley Cats. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.